Hello, I'm Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group. Today, I'm joined by Brett Johnson, referred to by the United States Secret Service as the original Internet Godfather. Brett was a central figure in the cybercrime world for almost 20 years. Nowadays, Brett runs Anglerfish, a cybersecurity consultancy. He's also keynoting ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit on June 26th in Chicago. Brett, in a recent post, you wrote about cryptocurrencies, and I quote, Seems like everyone is flocking to cryptocurrency, except cyber criminals. Hackers, fraudsters, and cyber crooks have been into crypto since it started. There have been numerous breaches of cryptocurrency exchanges, a significant number of ICO scams, ransomware requiring payment in crypto, and the growth of crypto hacking recently. So can the genie be put back in the bottle for cryptocurrency-based crime? I, I really don't think it, uh, it can. Uh, you see, what happens is, is when I, when I was involved in cybercrime as a criminal, we always had trouble of finding a way to cash out, finding a way to launder money. Um, back then, we used Western Union. Uh, once we kind of milked that out and Western Union understood what was going on, that we were laundering funds through them, we moved over to uh, recording actual the, the mag stripes on debit cards, and we, we would email those to each other and, and place money on those. Uh, that turned in, from there we went to eGold, which was kind of a precursor to Bitcoin. Uh, that got shut down. The guy who uh, the guy who started that, he actually got charged with money laundering and went to prison for a while. Uh, from there, it was Liberty Reserve. All these different formats of, of ways that criminals can use to transfer money, to launder money. That's all, always something we were looking for. Now, what happens is, is when Bitcoin comes out, that's almost uh, cryptocurrency is almost the perfect choice for a criminal to use to transfer large amounts of money, to launder funds, anything else like that. Uh, Bitcoin, when it came out, most people thought it was pretty anonymous. Well, it turns out it's not anonymous, but still, you can transfer large amounts of money pretty easily and, and stay hidden as long as you know what you're doing. What we've seen recently, though, is as Bitcoin is, you know, it was first adopted by criminals, but as Bitcoin has become more popular, more mainstream, regular, legitimate citizens are investing in cryptocurrency. Well, that's where the money is. And, and say one thing about cyber thieves and crooks in general. They go to where the money is. So now we're seeing that you see scams with ICOs. You see uh, money exchanges that, that are set up just to steal people's currencies. And that is not going to go anywhere. But what we're seeing is, is we're seeing the blockchain itself is extremely secure. But what's not secure are the people that are behind the blockchain. So we see a lot of social engineering attacks going on, a lot of stuff like that that are stealing people's money. So... You know, again, there's a lot of noise by the SEC and a whole variety of, of regulators internationally. But is, is regulating cryptocurrencies even possible? I think it's possible. And I think that it's a, something that has to be done. Uh, for one thing, once regulation hits is when we will see that cryptocurrency is, is really massively adopted by everyone in general. It takes that regulation. It takes that, that safety net for people to say that, OK, I'll invest in this. When that happens, I think that cryptocurrency is going to go through the roof as far as value goes. The problem is, is that a lot of these crypto coins are anonymous. And, I, and when I say anonymous, I mean completely anonymous. You get something like a Monero or Dash or something like that. There's no way to really determine who is sending money or who is getting the money that's being sent. So from a regulation problem, of course, we can regulate ICOs. We can regulate anything like that. But how do we track money that's being transferred anonymously? And that is a question for a brighter mind than, my, than I am. I just I don't have the answer for that. 
So it's interesting you brought up uh, eGold. I can remember them a few years ago. And I, they were based in some offshore enclave, I seem to remember. Oh, yeah. The guy was based in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, he, uh, he got charged with money laundering because it, it just wasn't financial cybercrime, you know, credit cards and bank accounts, uh, stolen bank accounts that were being laundered through there. But people were laundering all types of cybercrime, uh, child porn, drug trafficking, everything else. And that's what you see with Bitcoin. It's, it's not just bank account information or identity information. It's drugs. It's weapons, it's uh, child pornography. Everything across the line is trafficked or laundered out through Bitcoin or some sort of cryptocurrency. There's clearly a push with some of the more mainstream exchanges to follow KYC AML regulation. Is that do you, do you think that's going to normalize things for them at all? I, I think it will normalize. I think that for, for the general populace, it's great. The problem is, is that there was a recent study that shows that 51% of every single Bitcoin transaction is illegal. It has some sort of illegal turn or twist to it. So when you when you start talking about KYC with exchanges, the only thing that's going to happen is, is you're going to see crooks that are not signing up with those exchanges or they're using someone's stolen information to sign on and act like someone else for those exchanges. Uh, that's what's going to happen. That's what's historically happened throughout all this process with uh, with stolen information and identities and everything else. It's uh, one of the things I used to teach when I ran Shadow Crew. I talked uh, we were we were a teaching forum of of it was, and uh, we taught people that all crime should begin with identity theft. So when you're talking about KYC, especially in the United States where everything is knowledge-based authentication questions, if you've got enough information on someone, you can sign up for an account and you look exactly like that person. And that's that's the way that most of this crime happens. Hmm. Very few people under money under their own names. So so not that I want any ideas or anything, but but which crypto <laughs> But, but which cryptocurrency scams do you think are the most fascinating today? You know what? It's it's the simple ones. It, it's the ones that really take advantage of people and have that social engineering aspect that really hit home with me. Now, now certainly, you know, the big ones like the uh, the exchanges that are compromised. You see, you know, two hundred million dollars stolen out and things like that. That's that's high profile stuff. But the ease at which just a regular guy can can set up a website or set up a Twitter account or something like that and pretend to be one of these ICOs and get people's money or get someone to transfer uh, their their coins to his wallet instead of the company's wallet. Or so it's very easy to do that. Uh, that's one of the reasons we we need this regulation. Can we talk about crypto jacking? Is I mean clearly that seems very nascent at this point. But and it seems, you know, some people say it's a victimless crime because it's piggybacking on, on people's CPUs. But um, do you see that becoming more problematic? And again, how, how could that be? Illegal? It's absolutely problematic. Um, I was recently over in the UK talking to a couple of professors over there and some law enforcement agencies. There was in Spain at the time, there was a organized uh, crime ring that had taken over a power plant to mine cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin. This idea that, that crypto jacking is, is harmless, it's not. It costs money to mine cryptocurrency. So when you're, when you're, when you're basically jacking someone's power, you're making them spend money on that. So it costs the company more money and turn it the company, who do they pass the cost on to? They pass the cost on to the customers, us. So we're all paying, we're all victims of this supposedly harmless crime. It, it never ends. How do you stop it? Well, a lot of coins now, are coming out that do not require mining. They're already, uh, you know, they're already staked out. The coins are, have already been generated, and they're given out like that. that. I think that's probably what we're going to see in the future is is a more economically or, or environmentally friendly coin. 
So one of the other things you touch on in the blog post you wrote is the, in a lot of ways, again, it, it's back to old school social engineering attacks, and that seems to be the number one weakness. Is that yeah. is that's just as applicable to, to cryptocurrency? Absolutely. What, what people don't realize is most people have this 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 image in their head of a cyber criminal or a hacker who's you know he's he's dressed in the hoodie and he's he's probably in his mom's basement and he. He's this loner, and he's socially inept, but he's able to hack into any computer system on the planet. Anything he wants to breach into, he can get into. The truth of the matter is there are, there are a few people like that, very few. Most cyber criminals, successful cyber criminals, they're social engineers. They, they know human nature. They understand human psychology. They know exactly what they need to do in order to manipulate someone to give them access to information, cash, anything else like that. Uh, the secret of it all is, is cybercrime is not rocket science. It's not complicated. What we see is we see people that some one person may know how to commit a specific element of a crime. He doesn't understand the entire spectrum of that crime he's trying to commit, so he'll partner with other people that do understand it. So they'll form this like criminal super team that understands exactly how to manipulate systems to commit a crime. But it's not complicated stuff. Most of this stuff is social engineering. It's tricking someone into, into giving access or information that just simply doesn't know better. They they might they may in the back of their head kind of think something is wrong, but it's just spur of the moment. They give access, they give information, they give coins, anything else like that. Thank you, Brett. That was Brett Johnson of Anglerfish and former America's most wanted cyber criminal. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.